Chapter 14 of The Art of Stage Dancing. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jewel Raquel. The Art of Stage Dancing by Ned Wayburn. Ned Wayburn's Modern Americanized Ballet Technique. I have invented a method of teaching the ballet that eliminates the long and tedious training formerly considered necessary, and fits the pupil for a stage appearance in the briefest possible length of time. That my method is a perfect success is evidenced in the best theatres everywhere. I have taken amateurs who never did a ballet step in their lives, put them in training by my personally devised method, and made perfect solo dancers of them in a few months' time, secured them engagements, and their fame as ballet dancers par excellence is today worldwide. Elsewhere in this book I shall name several of these whom you know best, and you will admit that I am right in what I have just said when you peruse their names. I am assuming that you are aware of the fact that in all foreign countries the ballet student is taught for years before she is allowed to attempt a public appearance or permitted to consider a professional engagement. This ultra-conservative custom has been brought across the water, and the idea has always held here in America that the four, six, ten-year apprenticeship was a necessity, that no dancer could qualify for professional appearance in a shorter period. It was taken for granted that there was no shortcut to this trade, and up to the recent present there has been none. But our American girls who are gifted with a talent for this superb form of graceful dancing will not consent to devote the best years of their lives to unproductive labor. The idea of signing away several years of their happy lives in order to become entitled merely to a critical teacher's approval, and all this time without compensation of a financial nature, does not appeal to any and least of all to that very person, the young person who would make the best dancer. Yet there was an increasing demand for capable ballet dancers, and the supply was limited and dwindling. So, in order to make a world happy, I put my wits to work and evolved a plan that has revolutionized the entire industry, and I have called it Ned Wayburn's Modern Americanized Ballet Technique, and it is a ballet technique at its very best. If I had done nothing else in the years of my theatrical experience, I should still feel that I had accomplished much that is worthwhile. And really, it is all very simple. The wonder is that others did not figure it out before I did, and it is no secret. I am going to tell you all about it and what the results have been, and then you can see for yourself why it is no longer best or necessary to go to foreign lands and take lessons the old way for years and years. There is what is called the universal ballet technique. It is the standard of the dancing world recognized and observed everywhere that the ballet is taught or danced. My method follows this universal technique closely, and is identical in many of the essentials. The chief difference between the old way and my new method is in the preparatory work. Now, this will never become a world full of ballet dancers, because not everyone could learn this graceful undulation if they wanted to. All the more reason, I say, why those who have the talent should profit by it. Not all of my pupils, nor all of my best pupils in other forms of the art, can hope to become solo artists in ballet work. I can glance over a class at work in any of my studios and select the few who may hope to perfect themselves in the ballet. I have had to discourage and no doubt disappoint some of my ambitious ones who have aspired to master the great art of ballet dancing, but I know I did what was best for them in advising them as I did.
These same girls will be top-notchers in other fields of stage dancing, and I would rather direct their pathway to sure success than to let them wander into byways where their feet might stumble. So first of all, the candidate for ballet dancing must have my approval. She must be qualified according to my high standards. And when I say yes, and the student enters faithfully upon the work as I lay it out, she is going to make good. And the first instruction she will receive in my courses is in the nature of a muscle culture, a foundation technique that consists of exercises on the felt floor pad in limbering and stretching. It is very beneficial to everyone in every way and unqualifiedly essential to the beginner in stage dancing in any of its forms. The prospective ballet dancer, by going through these exercises in the studio for a series of 20 lessons or so, and practicing three hours or more at home daily during the same period, develops strength in the muscles of the back, legs, ankles, and feet that fits her for the ballet technique. And it is this foundation work that enables her to eliminate the antiquated exercises and some combinations of steps, and the unduly long, tedious, and once necessary trials that fell to the lot of the old country ballerina. So the secret is out. It is our special foundation work in limbering and stretching combined with my Americanized ballet technique that builds our American pupil into a strong, healthy, flexible, graceful person well prepared for advancement into the beautiful art of the ballet. This does not mean that the entrant for ballet honors has nothing to do but go at once upon the stage a completed artiste. If this statement of my easier plan suggests such a thing, let me hasten to correct so erroneous an impression. There is work, and hard work too, and lots of it, before our pupil becomes a ballet dancer, even under our less strenuous and much shortened course of training. Grace of the entire body is sought and taught, graceful movements of the head, arms, legs, and torso. In addition to grace and poise, there is need of great muscular strength, and this we are able to develop in our pupils without bunching the muscles of their calves, thighs, or arms into unsightly knots, and this fact is not one of the least of the recommendations of our system. We insist upon symmetry and beauty of figure. This is really more important to the professional dancer than beauty of face. To possess both, a beautiful face and form, is the ideal condition, of course, but the figure is susceptible of being made attractive by our development technique, and any imperfections of the facial contour or features, and any defects in the complexion, are easily disguised or corrected by my method of teaching stage makeup. It must be considered that in the ballet the movement of the arms is very important, and to perform it properly requires long study and extreme accuracy. Just as the art of painting blends and composes colors, and by the composition of scenes and figures makes a whole that is pleasant to the eye, so the movements of the arms in dancing add many and diverse forms of grace to the body, guiding and regulating its movements so as to result in a harmonious whole. One authority has styled dancing the music of the eye. The dancer who neglects the difficult study which the arms require because she believes that the only necessity is brilliant execution in the legs will be an imperfect artist. It is not enough to know how to dance with one's legs. The ballet must also be executed with the trunk of the body and the arms. Their movements must be graceful and in harmony with those of the legs, since they constitute a weight for the equilibrium of the body when it rests on one leg. The arms must accompany the trunk, making a frame for it. The movements of the head, of the eyes, the expression of the face, 
all are of tremendous importance in perfecting the ballet. It is because of the necessity of bearing constantly in mind the various attitudes of head, torso, arms, and legs that I believe that the ballet contributes more than any other type of dancing to the general development of grace and poise of the whole body. In addition to teaching what we call the legitimate American ballet, we add to the students' repertoire what are known as tricks, which earn applause for the dancer. Many of our pupils go directly from our courses to the professional stage, since it would be difficult for them to earn a supporting salary in the musical comedy field doing straight ballet work alone. We teach straight toe dances and also eccentric toe dances as will be demonstrated in another chapter. You are now a student in our beginner's ballet class. First, you must provide yourself with soft ballet slippers, as without them it would be impossible to do this type of work. As you enter our ballet room, you note full-length mirrors on the walls to enable you to watch yourself as you dance, the original watch-your-step propaganda. Also, you will see a wooden rod, technically known as a bar, running around the walls of the studio. This is about three and a half feet above the floor and is easily grasped by the hand for support in practicing. In your practice at home, in the absence of such a bar, substitute an ordinary chair back or other firm object as a support, being careful that its height is correct. Now the first thing to acquire is a knowledge of the fundamental rules of the dance, since everything depends upon them, and no one may hope to attain proficiency without this knowledge. The fundamental positions of the ballet are five, and their complete mastery has been the prime factor in the success of every ballet dancer since the dance was invented. You will be constantly referred to first position, third position, and the others throughout your instruction, and you must know instantly and intuitively what each reference means as you hear it or read it, and to do this you must have the five positions thoroughly absorbed into your inner consciousness. That means practice the five positions over and over, day after day. No ballet dancer ever was entitled to this name without she knew these five rules of the dance. The five positions for practice at the bar are here given, and the primary exercise at each position described and pictured. First ballet position. First position. Stand erect, with the head up, the legs straight, the heels together, the toes pointed out, the weight of the body evenly distributed between the two feet. Extend one arm to lightly grasp the bar and carry the other arm straight out from the shoulder in a slightly relaxed position, as shown in the diagram. The thumb should rest on the tip of the first finger, the middle and ring fingers slightly bent, the little finger extended so that it is slightly separated from the others, the wrist bent slightly downward. The whole attitude should be flexible and graceful. Now lower the body by bending the knees. The feet should be kept flat on the floor, the heels raised from the floor as little as possible when bending the legs. The knees should be extended out to the sides as shown in the diagram. The free arm should follow the attitude of the legs, that is, it should be lower to the waist when the knees are bent. This bending should be repeated four times. Second ballet position. Second position. From the first position, keeping both legs straight, slide the right foot sideways until leg and foot are fully extended without moving the torso. Then place the weight of the body on both feet with heels on the floor. The head should be in a straight line above the center of the space between the heels. 
Now bend and rise slowly four times without raising the heels from the floor. Third ballet position. Third position. From the second position, shift the weight to one leg, fully extending the foot and toes of the other leg. Then glide the extended leg slowly in front of the other, the heel leading, until the ankle of the leg behind is covered by the front leg. Bend and rise slowly four times, keeping the head in a straight line above the heel that is in front. Fourth ballet position. Fourth position. From the third position, slide the front leg forward as far as possible without moving the body until foot and toes are fully extended. Then put the heel on the floor, the foot turned outward. Place the weight of the trunk on both legs, the head being vertically above the heel of the front foot. Bend and rise slowly four times. Fifth ballet position. Fifth position. From the fourth position, shift the weight to the back leg, fully extending the front leg and foot. Slide the front leg slowly back to the other leg with heel well turned out until the feet are on a parallel line with the heel of the front leg in front of the toes of the back leg. The weight of the body should rest on both legs and the throat should be virtually above the ankle of the front leg. Bend and rise four times. End of Ned Weyburn's Modern Americanized Ballet Technique Recording by Jewel Raquel